as we move into the last quarter of the year, right? I want you to, I want to encourage you to continue to do some things. You know, we had four commitments to not miss a service, to pray an hour each day, right? Uh, to take communion more often and to read our Bible every day. Those are the four commitments. But I also challenge you uh, to skip out on three or four or five minutes of TikTok or social media browsing and read the prophecy uh, both the one that Pastor Evan gave us and the one that Pastor Sean gave us uh, in July. I want to challenge you to read it every day, right? If you go, if you are an uh, Apple user, you can go look at your screen time. I am sure most people have a screen time of an hour a day. So I'm asking that you take at least 10 minutes of your hour and spend and take five minutes to read each prophecy each day through the end of this quarter. Because the thing that the enemy does to really attack us is through getting us to forget about the word, getting us to forget about the premises. And it's not that he is so great. It's just that we are all sometimes so weak in our discipline when it comes down to keeping the word before our eyes so that we may see that word and we may run with it. And that will go into tonight's teaching, which is called discarding doubt and embracing faith. Because those are things that we are required to do. The Bible says that we have to be the ones that take every word captive. How are we going to take that word captive? We're going to keep word in front of us. That means don't despise repetitive teaching. That means reading your word every day. That means praying in the Holy Spirit. That means coming, not missing a service, whether that means you listen via one of our podcasts later or you listen live, but we have to be committed to our own rescue. And that's the first thing I want y'all to type tonight. Say, I am committed to my own rescue. I'm committed to my own rescue. And so we'll say a prayer real quick and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for the time tonight to be together. We thank you that your word will be presented uh, exactly the way it needs to be in order for your people to see, hear, and understand. I pray it be all of you, God, that works through me and I will teach a uncompromising gospel that your people may be able to use so that we may grow up, mature, and manifest your goodness in this earth. I thank you, God, that we are kings and queen who, queens who reign in every area that we have been called to. We do not allow doubt to enter in to our minds, but we discard doubt with the word of God. We take captive any and every thought that is contrary to your will, and we declare that we manifest heaven in earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so tonight's title, like I said, is discarding doubt and embracing faith. And doubt is familiar to all of us, no, everybody on this call, if we're honest with it, call on this Zoom or social media, whatever we're on tonight, everybody says, has, has experienced doubt. It's natural. It's a human experience. But here's the thing. When you let doubt go unchecked, it can hinder your walk with God. And today we want to explore the roots of doubt and the path of faith and leaning into the unfallible word of God. So when I allow doubt to go unchecked, you, we'll talk about it, but it'll hinder our walk with God because doubt can very well transgress itself into unbelief. And when you have unbelief, then you're incapable of uh, operating in faith and receiving for God. And so before we get into the teaching, let's take a moment and look at what the word says. And then we're going to define the word doubt. We're going to define the word unbelief, and then we'll hit the ground running. First of all, James 1 and 6 says this, but let him ask in what? Faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So this is the word telling us what we need to do to receive. He says, let him ask in faith with no doubt, doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. We love beach vacations, my whole family. We love the beach. And anything you know about a wave, it comes and it goes. It comes and it goes, right? It, it, it's consistently flowing back and forth. And that's what God says we don't need to be, right? Is doubt is often compared to being, it's unstable. It's double-minded. It doesn't know if it wants to come this direction or go the next direction. And so when we talk about doubt tonight, we're going to define doubt like this. It is a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction about something. 
uncertain regarding what God has said. So when we're talking about doubt tonight, basically I'm saying you're uncertain about what God has said. God is a healer. Well, I don't know if he'll heal me. I don't know how he'll heal me. What will this look like? How is God going to do that? We all have questions and we all have doubt. And it's not that doubt is bad, but it's bad when you do not discard it and replace it with the word of God. But and where does this doubt come from? Doubt can come from peer pressure. It can come from media. It can come from cultural norms. It can come from internal struggles. Struggles. So some people doubt they'll ever be happily married again because they have been hurt in the first marriage and they were hurt in the second marriage. They were hurt in the third relationship. And so those internal struggles that you have are feeding your doubt on whether you can have a successful relationship with. Some people have uh, internal struggles with money. You grew up broke. All you've known is broke. When you got a little money in your savings account, something always came up and you ended up broke again. And so now every time you go into a situation where it may seem like you have more than enough, then the internal struggle of whether you're going to be able to sustain this or not comes up. And now you're doubting because of your own past experiences. And so we got to let go of the fears. We got to let go of any misunderstanding of God. We got to let those things go so that we may be able to believe God to the full. We can take God serious. All right. But when we're in doubt, we're not taking God serious. Now, when we allow doubt to go unchecked, right, it can lead to unbelief. And doubt and unbelief are not the same thing. Doubt is questioning the ability, right? Unbelief says, I don't believe. Unbelief says it's the absence or rejection of belief. It's lacking faith and or actively disbelieving. For me, all right, it's a crazy example, but you'll get it. I don't believe the earth is round. I have unbelief there. I mean, flat. I believe it's round. I, 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 I don't believe the earth is flat. That is an unbelief. I have no faith. I'm actively disbelieving that because I have facts to state the earth is, in fact, round, right? Now, what doubt will look like, if you don't check it, it turns into unbelief. And I want to give you a couple examples of how it practically plays out in your life. So here's the first how doubt may enter. I believe God can heal. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. I don't know if he'll do it for me, but I know he can. That may be doubt, right? And I'm going to talk to you about how you can fix that. Then what happened is if you don't check it, it transgression, transgresses into this next thing. God doesn't heal everybody. He may or may not heal me, right? Do you see how you went from one level? It was just like, okay, I believe God can heal. I just don't know how he's going to do it, right? We got doubt. I mean, that's that's okay. You got to use the word of God to get rid of that doubt. But when you don't use the word of God, now you're like, God doesn't heal everybody. Where is that scripturally based? Where do you find that God doesn't heal anybody? That's an internal struggle that is going out on, right? That's an internal struggle that's occurring. Now, with that internal struggle, if you don't take care of it there, then you are all the way into unbelief. Now you're saying God isn't going to heal me. It's been too long. God isn't going to heal me. Uh, my grandma died of this. My mama died of this. I'm going to die of this. Unbelief. So where, where doubt could have just been ended with correcting it with the word, we have went from doubt, we have transgressed to even more doubt to the point now we simply don't believe healing is available to us. And if you're honest with your life and you examine your life, then what you can see is this. You can see that in one area, you could be full of faith. And then in the very next area, you can have doubt and even maybe unbelief concerning something. So that's why it's important for each of us to spend time in the word of God so that we may be people of faith in every area of our life. It says doubt is, an is wavering where unbelief is a definitive lack of faith. Doubt often seeks out answers where unbelief tends to be more prolonged and settled in the outcome. We will 
all experience doubt at some point or another, but the key is to learn to discord doubt to embrace faith. And that takes us into our steps tonight. How do I discard doubt and embrace faith? The first thing you got to do is to control your thoughts. Control your thoughts. So you accomplish this task by controlling your thoughts. You discard doubt by controlling your thoughts. Say, I control my thoughts. I control my thoughts. Colossians 3 and 2 says it this way. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Uh, we got some uh, some people in our ministry who are pretty intelligent. And anybody know uh, that set your mind on things above is what type of sentence? We got a little time tonight. If the sentence says, set your mind on things above, what kind of sentence is that? Is it an interrogative sentence? Is it a declarative sentence? What kind of sentence is set your mind on things above, not on earthly things? Let's see. Let's see all these smart folks down here in these comments. All right, we got declarative. We're lagging tonight. All right. So we got we got some more declarative. All right. It's a command. I, I, I read it as a command too, as a as a command. Which if you know, if you're in English class, because we got a little time, uh, a command is considered an imperative sentence. But declarative, I, I ain't gonna tell you. But set your mind on things above. God is commanding us to take control of our own mind. So that means you can't be praying, God, take this thought out of my mind. God, take this away from me. He says, set your mind on things above. That is a command that you got to do. You got to do the work. All right, we got declarative. All right, we, you got to do the work to make sure that you take control of your thoughts. So if you are a person, who thinks you're not going to be healed. How do you set your mind on things above? You get audio books, you get Kindle, you get Audible, you get whatever YouTube videos, you get whatever you need to do to control your thoughts by setting your mind on things above. You gotta have, you gotta do the work to make yourself exposed to the what you're trying to get. So if I want healing, I gotta expose myself to worry about healing. If I want to discard the thoughts about I'll be sick for the rest of my life, then in order to do that, I gotta have new information. Where does that new information come from? It comes from the word of God. Where does the word of God come from? Somebody who teaches it. Right now, we're you're listening to me teach, right? So you're getting word and that word can establish faith and faith can manifest the will of God. But if you don't set your own mind on things above, then Pastor Edwin can't do it for you. Coach Vaughn can't do it for you. Pastor Chris can't do it for you. So though people manifest things in life and people are making six digits and people are inheriting the things that God has for them, they do it because they set their mind on things above. It's just like a coach on a football team, right? You can coach the football team. You can walk them through everything they need to do, but the coach can't play the game for you. Likewise, the Holy Spirit lives on inside of you. He is the best teacher. He is the goat, but he can't do it for you. You got to do something yourself. So he says, set your mind on things above. In Philippians 4 and 8, he says, finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. How many of you guys have found yourself focusing on not having your needs met, focusing on not having enough money, focusing on the pain in your body, focusing on how your relationship won't work? Is that honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it, is it admirable to God? 
And if the answer is no, then you got to set your mind on something different. Because we'll talk about it later. What you focus on, it causes you to put on blinders to options. So you're so focused on not having rent that you can't see the solution that God has given you. You're so focused on living your best life in your singleness and fulfilling your flesh that you can't focus on the person that God is trying to send you. Many times the enemy keeps us from manifesting anything because we get caught up and focused on something that's not what God wants us to have. And we have blinders. And so we can't see the godly solutions because we're pursuing the things that satisfy our flesh. And so 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 says it this way. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Once again, how am I going to discard doubt and embrace faith? I am going to control my thoughts. Uh, I think it was last year or year before, I can't remember, I taught a message on imagination and control and, and setting your mind on Christ. And I gave you four steps, right, on how we control our thoughts. Number one, step one was to receive. Sometimes you're going to have thoughts that you don't control just because it, it's going to enter your mind. We all do the first part. We receive a thought. After you receive that thought, then step two was to analyze the thought. You got to recognize the source of the thought. Is this an internal influence? Is Are my past experiences shaping the way I am perceiving this information? Is my past experience shaping the way that I am thinking about this situation? Or is it an external influence, right? It, am I thinking I'm not going to have enough money this month or I'm not going to get hired because the last job told me no? Or because the last time I was in a similar situation, I got evicted? What is controlling? Uh, what's the source of this thought that I'm having? And then the third thing that control that could uh, influence your thought or this be the source of your thought is the word of God. So number one, you got internal situations going on, right? Number two, you got external situations going on. And then number three, the source of uh, analyzing the thought, it could be the word of God. So when you receive the thought, now you've analyzed it. Is it an internal source? Is it an external source? Or is it the word of God? And now once you've identified the source of that thought, you can then determine whether you need to accept or reject it. So does it align with the word of God? Ask yourself that question. Does it encourage joy? Does it encourage? Does it spread love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? So is this thought that I'm having going to lead me to exhibit the fruit of the spirit? And if it doesn't, then it doesn't align with the word of God. I'll reject it. Does this thought align with the word of God? God says that this is that he wants me to uh, have a good life, an abundant life to the full, to the overflows. He says that he wants every relationship I have to prosper. So this thought aligns with the word of God. So you accept it. You got to be very careful that you're not accepting things that are not biblically sound. Just because it's said across the pulpit, just because somebody, some worship leader you like said it, just because Big Mama said it, doesn't mean it's a word from God. Even when I'm teaching you tonight, if you can't uh, solidify it in scripture, then you don't take it. But you got to understand that many people through ignorance are accepting words that are not biblically sound. And we'll talk about that just in a moment. You're accepting words that are not biblically sound. You let everybody and their grandma prophesy over you. You let everybody slather you down with bacon grease, right? And you and coming out and you got this emotional high, but you're no spiritually well off because the word that you get isn't uh, grounded in the word of God. And so, but you're you're choosing to accept that word and your, cho your choice to accept it oftentimes will lead you to demise.
So you got to be very careful about who you allow to speak in your life. And then after you've accepted or rejected the word, then you got to replay or replace it. If the word lines up with the word of God, for example, if you get a thought, I am worthless, right? Where is it, what's the source of that thought? All right. Does it line up with the word of God? It doesn't. So I reject that thought. And I replace it with what the word says. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, right? So anytime you reject the word, you got to replace it with the word of God. I'm worthless. No, I'm not. I reject that word in the name of Jesus. Let me replace scripture. But it's hard for you to replace scripture if you don't know scripture. Once again, that's why we tell you to read your word. All right. But we live in a world with technology. What does the Bible say? Find scriptures on on me being worthy. You just Google it, right? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You just replay that over and over. But many times we don't take control of our thoughts. When we don't, when we get received thoughts and we analyze those thoughts, but we don't reject thoughts that don't align with the word of God, we find ourselves in a in a in a area where we don't exhibit faith because we're in doubt, we're in fear, or we have moved to unbelief. And we're wondering why we don't see what God has for our life. So you must do this for every thought that you have in order for doubt not to run rampant in your life and to interfere with your ability to manifest the will of, uh, uh, will of God. This is why it's essential to have a word from God and not try to accomplish things on your own. You cannot step out on faith without a word from God. You cannot step out on faith without a word from God. You can step out on fear. You can step out on your own name, but you can't step out in faith without a word from God. So how many times have you tried to force a relationship with somebody? God, you know God didn't tell you that was boo. You did that. You wanted that man. You wanted that woman. So you made yourself hear God. God ain't never spoke. That was your flesh talking. That was your loneliness talking. That was your, uh, that was your dependency talking. That was your doubt talking because you thought you were 30, you 45 and you don't got nobody. And that's doubt telling you you're going to be alone all your life. So that's doubt that caused you to settle for something, man, that wasn't good enough for you. That was doubt that caused you to take that job that you knew God told you not to take, but you thought that you would only get a job if they said yes. So that was doubt that made you take a yes that God said was a no. That was unbelief that caused you to move to a city or stay in a city when God told you that wasn't it. So if you're going to step out on faith, it's going to require a word from God. And here's the other thing. The word is your foundation. It's your anchor. So that when, like when April and I, we had a word from God, right? About our marriage. And, and and you're and then and, but in the early years, some things it got a little rough at different times. I think we on marriage 4.0 or so, but it, it got rough. And there was some times we wanted to quit, and there's some times uh we wanted to just hang up the towel, right? But we had a word from God about our marriage, and so because we had a word from God, we have it, we had a foundation. We had an anchor that even in the midst of the storm, we may have swayed, we, but our foundation was, wasn't destroyed. We may have swayed, but we didn't go, go anywhere. Why? Because the word anchored our marriage. And so when you got a word from God about the house, when you got a word of God about your healing, when you got a word of God about your finances, when you got a word of God about the next step to take, you don't have to worry about anything instead of instead pray about everything and praise God for what he's already done. What did he do? We knew in year three that we would spend the rest of our life together. So though it was tough, though we didn't like it, though we were apart uh, in our minds and though our emotions were what, whatever they were at that time, we believed God. But we also surrounded ourselves with people who believe God. Some of y'all tribe are worthless. And worthless in the sense that no person is worthless, but they are worthless in the sense that they're not moving you towards heaven. I got friends, right? 
that I hang with. I got people I hang with. I just won't use it, throw out that word loosely as friends. I got people I hang with and they cool. But then I got my tribe. Then I got my, 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 my guys, my fellas, right? We joke, we play, but we hold each other accountable, right? We make each other walk in faith. We help, hey, man, I'm, I'm applying for a job, man. I just, I don't know. Like, I, God told me I can make 175. And, man, once you, like, you heard God about that? Oh, man, it's yours. We find scripture. We encourage one another. And for a lot of people, you'll rather be around people that just let you be the people that's going to grow you up. Because it's it's not fun having people that hold you accountable to sin. Didn't God tell you that this was a year for a new job? Didn't God tell you that this was a year for healing? Didn't God tell you that he wanted your relationship restored? Didn't God tell you? So why are you doing X? Why are you doing Y? And some of you, you just want people that ain't going to hold you accountable. You want people that's just going to let you live by your flesh. And see, those aren't real friends. That ain't the tribe. That ain't who you call to. But we... We go to places that we can find comfortable because it's convenient and it's what we know. But what I'm saying is that some of y'all need new friends. Some of y'all need new friends. Some of y'all, some of y'all just need to be by yourself. Some of y'all just need to be at God already told you what to do. You trying to get everybody else to, to uh, agree with you. Did you hear God or no? Everybody don't got to agree with you. If you heard God, then go with God. So the Bible says, we're talking about controlling our thoughts. He says, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, right? Holy and acceptable unto God. That's Romans 12, 1. Then he says, be not conformed to this world, but be renewed by be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is our job to not conform. It is our job not to conform. It is our job to transform. And so in controlling your mind, you got to meditate on the word. What meditation does, it moves your thought process from one thing to another. What meditation does, it causes you to be able to respond appropriately, even in pressure situations. Um, our football team the other day, we took a pretty big L, right? We practiced, we told the kids to play, we told them how to execute, and we did everything we could. But when they got out to the field, it's, it, they acted like they wasn't taught anything. The other team ran the exact plays we told them they were run. They threw the ball to the exact person we told them to throw the ball to. But the thing was, they didn't execute. They didn't control their thoughts. They didn't, they didn't control their emotions. They didn't resist the, the, the ease that was uh that came on to them to doubt they were had the ability to win. When the first play of the game, they jump out there and they run a reverse, and you help and three people got the guy, he get loose and cut across the field and come all the way back and run the 70-yard touchdown. It knocked the win out of their sails. And see, so for some of you, you've had the wind knocked out of your sails. The enemy has presented a situation in the earth or your disobedience pre presented a situation in the earth. And you found yourself having a word from God, but then growing in unbelief, doubt because you consider the wind. Because you consider the sucker punch. Me and April, we 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 uh are in the process of closing on our next home, and something came up in the middle of all of it. And it surprised me, it surprised the banker, it surprised everybody. And, and, and me and April kind of looked at each other, and the only thing I heard God says, didn't I tell you I was gonna work it all out? And at that moment, I have an opportunity to let doubt from external circumstances to cause me not to believe God or I can align with God. And so every time a situation arose that, that was contrary to the outcome that God told me I could have, I had to reject the thought and replay the word. I had to reject the thought and replay the word. Otherwise, doubt can come in 
and it can steal away the very thing that God told you was yours. So one thing that we got to do to discard doubt and embrace faith, we must control our thoughts. The next thing we got to do is resist doubt. James 4 and 7 says, resist the devil and he will do what? He'll flee. Once again, that's your job. Resist the devil. Pastor Rap, how do I resist the devil? You resist the devil with the word. You can't whoop the devil in your own flesh. He's stronger than you. But oh, when you tap into the spirit, right? When you tap into the spirit, you have everything that you need to win. First Peter 5 and 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may desire. It doesn't say he walked around devouring people, does it? What does it say he's doing? Seeking. What is he seeking? Somebody in doubt. What is he seeking? Somebody in unbelief. What is he seeking? Somebody who doesn't know the word. What is he seeking? Somebody that's not consistently applying the word. Because you can bleed God for the house and then not sustain it because the very thing God blessed you with, you forgot about the source because you focused on the blessing. So you stop going to church and you spend all your time in that wonderful car. You spend all your time now working overtime on that new job God gave you. And so now you went from 50000 now you're making 175000 Ooh, that's too much money to tithe. So the very thing you did to get there, then you don't sustain it to keep you there. And so now the thing happens is, oh, it doesn't take all that. But it did take all that for you to get out the dirt, right? But now that you're living... And you're living a good life. It's like, oh, okay, I don't got to give the way I used to give. I don't got to sow the way I used to sow. I don't got to pray the way I used to pray because that's not needed. But what you don't understand is it requires faith to keep moving forward. Because it's easy to go back and operate in doubt when you forget about the source, which is always God. So if we are to manifest all right, the will of God for our lives, we must eradicate every image, suggestion, vision, dream, impression, feeling, and all thoughts that do not contribute to our faith and do not affirm what God has said about our lives. All right, I'll put it up there for you. There we go. If we are to manifest the will of God for our lives, we must eradicate every image, suggestion, vision, dream, impression, feeling, and all thoughts that do not contribute to our faith and that do not affirm what God has said about our lives. Simply put, anything that's contrary to the word of God, you must reject it and replace it. Anything contrary to the word of God, you won't have enough money. The devil is a law. The heaven has enough. And as a citizen of heaven, I have enough. Every time a thought comes to your mind that's contrary to the word of God, you take captive that thought using the word of God. The word is your weapon, not your feelings. The word is your weapon, not medicine. The word now, I am not anti-medicine, but I am telling you, some people take Tylenol and still have a headache. Some people go to uh, physical therapy and still never regain full rotation of their joints. Some people have surgery and still die. So though I am, I am pro-medicine, but I'm pro-word, right? The word is my weapon. It's my guarantee. It's the thing that assures that I will always come out victorious. Now, if he told me, like, when I manifested healing in my shoulder, God told me to have surgery. So I got a shoulder replacement. I walk around. I throw a football with my kids. I do push-up. I go to the gym. I do all of that pain-free, right? But somebody else may get a new joint downloaded from heaven. However he chooses to bless me, I am open to receiving the blessing. And so we got to understand that through it all, God knows what's best for me. So in this world, we have to resist. That word resist means to oppose. Uh, in this word, we, it said 
what I just read to you says you got to eradicate. That means to destroy. So it's my job to resist or oppose what the enemy is trying to do. So resist the devil, he will flee from you. Oppose the devil, he will flee from you. That word oppose means opposite. So I do the opposite of what the devil wants me to do. So you hear your flesh crying out, man, you know, it's been a little minute since you had somebody. You hear your flesh saying, now, you know, it won't hurt. Dealers having a semi-annual sale. You know, it won't hurt if you just go get that credit card. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you can afford it. You got that new job and you know, the Lord told you not to spend anything extra, right? So you got, it's your job to oppose the devil. One easy way to oppose the devil is set up boundaries. Boundaries are good, right? Boundaries are healthy. And so the easiest way to resist the devil is set up a boundary. Like, you know what? I'm eating better, right? I'm doing some things in my life. One easy boundary I have to resist the devil uh, when it comes to my, my eating, I don't buy chicken. So you know what I can't cook in my house? Chicken. I don't buy cookies and cake. So you know what I can't eat in my house? Cookies and cake. A lot of times we make disobedience easy. You know every time he called, every time she called, you wind up at their house and in their bed in positions you know you don't supposed to be in. But you don't, you don't uh, delete their number. You don't block them. I mean, you just left the number in there just in case. No, baby, you don't need no just in case. If it's an emergency, call 911. You don't got to call them. If your tire needs to be repaired, there are so many places that can come repair your tire. You don't need them. You lie to yourself and you give yourself more strength and you think more highly of yourself than you ought to. You know you can't have that Debbie cake in your house because you're going to tear that. You're going to, soon in the middle of the night, your stomach going to growl at three in the morning. You're going to be in the kitchen and all you, all everybody else here is that little plastic opening. That's all they hear. And you in there tearing up a Debbie cake. And then you wonder why you fat. You wonder why you, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're obese. You're wondering why your blood pressure is the way it is. You're wondering why. Because you made sin and easy. You got to ask yourself, what areas in my life have I made it easy to not resist the devil, to not be sober, to not be vigilant? Uh, we got to realize that Satan is the prince of the world, and he moves through the senses, our natural realm, and through our senses. He uses the power of suggestion to convince, deceive, and destroy. Every vision, thought, impression, and word you get is not from God. Let me say that one more time. Every vision, every thought, every impression and word you get is not from God. However, I'll keep going because we'll talk about it in a moment. You must know that the word and surround yourself with people who know the word. You need a tribe. You need a church home. Let me help you. The thing I saw growing up, I thought was crazy. Uh, and still think it's crazy. Judge me, judge your mama, judge your mama, not me. Judge somebody else. All right. But what I'm going to tell you is this. Just because you go to church because your big mama went there and you going to church and you don't know why you're going other than uh, it's been your family tradition, but you not getting fed. That ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't it. And so for generations, people go to churches for generations. People do things all because other people in their family did it. But if you are not getting what you need spiritually from that place, then why in the world are you committing to something? You're making living in poverty easy. You're making God wants you to live abundantly above. God wants you to have more than enough. And he says, hey, I need you to go to this, this church. I need you to listen to this person. And then you do it and everybody in your family like, oh, this, you, you too good to go to church over here? And so you let external stimuli cause you to doubt what you heard from God. And then you're angry because you're not living your best life 
all because you doubted. And that doubt turned to unbelief and you didn't have faith. So you stayed where you were. And now you sit in church on Sunday morning, listening to somebody you don't even trust, listening to somebody you don't even like, and you're not even growing all because you want to make your family happy. But hold on, though. Hold on. What about your job? What about that salary? Honestly, if we tell the truth, some of us are afraid. I used to be this way to make more money and my family know about it because then they know I make money and then they're going to be asking for it. Tell them no. God owns everything. I own nothing. So if he tell me to sow it, I'll sow it. And if you tell me not to sow it, then I won't sow it. So you can't let, you got to be real with yourself and say, God, you know what? Um, uh, I don't have, I don't, I got an issue with having more than enough for just my family because I don't know what I'm going to tell my family, my family, not in my house. Uh, how am I going to tell them no when they know my house paid off, when they know I don't got a car note, when they know I got a savings and I got rental properties? How do I tell them that I'm not doing it? And I love Pastor Edwin's because that's my new thing. I tell them no. Why? No is a complete sentence. Uh, hey, rap, rap, can I borrow $500? No. No. Nah. And then it's that awkward pause, like, like they wave. Ain't nothing else? No. Because that's good enough. But so many times you will make more money and then you wonder why it doesn't feel like you have more because you, you are giving away money that's supposed to be your bread and your sustenance. And so you got to be very careful that you don't do that. Right. Pastor Evan is preaching his own sermon up in here. Right. And I don't lie and say I don't have it. It ain't. I, I got it. I'm just not giving it to you. Well, ain't, ain't that un-Christ-like? No, it's very Christ-like because he told me not to do it. The same God that tell you to sow is the same God to tell you not right now. Why? Because sometimes he's trying to grow some folks up. Sometimes he just, I mean, it ain't it ain't God dragging you down through there, but sometimes it's it's yourself, it's your disobedience. God ain't always God doesn't reward disobedience. Let me go. I got I got one more page, a page and a half left. We may not make it. All right. So uh let me see. Here's what the enemy wants you to believe. God takes people because he needs an angel, right? We're talking about doubt here. This is how doubt enters. God takes people because he needs an angel. Lie. I only got time to tell you to just lie. Go look it up for yourself. God heals some people, but not all people. Lie. God puts you through trials to teach you a lesson. Lie. You know how you've been on Mari or, or what was it? Jerry Springer. And they bring out that envelope and they read that envelope and it and it says blah 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 has had a blood test and you got that envelope and the and this blood test says 99.9% certainty that you are and then it's gonna commercial break, right? And then it come back, not the father. Well, let me tell you, it's a lie. You're not poor, you don't have to go through a trial, you don't have to be sick. You don't, God didn't call big mama to die because she needed an angel. God got everything that he needs. And here's what I want you to understand is God doesn't propagate doubt, unbelief, or inconsistency. God doesn't propagate doubt, unbelief, or inconsistency. And for everybody that don't know what propagate means, I defined it for you. All right, so everybody pull it up. It says to spread or promote, all right? To spread or promote. I may not have put it in there. That's my fault. So God doesn't spread or promote doubt. He doesn't spread or promote unbelief. He doesn't spread or promote inconsistency. Jesus had has already bore all sickness and took away all infirmities. So why in the world would Jesus take our sickness and bear our infirmities now to give them back to us to teach us a lesson? I'll wait. 
Why? Why would he do that? It doesn't make any sense. Matthew 10 17 says this, that it may be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. If God desired for you to be sick, it would be contradictory to the work he did for the, on the cross. Why? Because on the cross, he was by his stripes, what? We're healed from when he died on the cross, he took all the sin and the consequences of sin from us. So why would he do that? And I'm going to say something next and y'all, y'all, y'all come for somebody else because I don't care. God doesn't propagate doubt, unbelief, or inconsistency, but your mama does, your big mama does, your grandfather does, some pastors will. They won't even do it knowingly, but through ignorance and tradition, doubt and unbelief can be spread from one generation to the next. It could be spread from one generation to the next. We have pastors that spread doubt, unbelief, and inconsistency. We have grandparents that spread doubt, unbelief, and inconsistency. We have parents that spread doubt, unbelief, and inconsistency. God ain't spreading it, but people will. That's why it's important for you. We are, anybody, Any pastor at FOC that you talk to, they will ask you this question. What? Did God say? And you like, well, I'm believing God for uh I'm believing God for Jenny to be my husband. Okay. Did you get a word from God? I did. But don't Johnny got a wife? He does, but God said he's mine. You lying. And some of y'all just don't got enough friends to tell you you lying. Because what you believe in God for doesn't even line up with the word of God. And so that's why it's important for us to make sure that when we say that we believe in God for something, that we take time to go find it in the word to support what we believe. Because if you don't found, if it's not based on the word of God, it's not faith. But if you pursue it as if it was faith, you will waste time. You can hurt people and you can cause things to show up in your life that you don't really want. Jenny. <laughs> Jenny White gonna put pause on Pastor Evan. Hey, listen, you out here, you can't be out here doing that. You can't be out here messing with other folks' property. And see, that's the crazy part. You'll fight right now. I'm in my dining room area. Uh, right now, somebody busted through my door and tried to take my TV off the wall. I can, I will have a solution for them. We'll put it that way, right? If somebody came in and tried to hurt my kids, I would have a solution for them to neutralize all the threats. But how many times, and we will fight for physical possessions. We will fight tooth and nail for physical possession and for people. But God has told you you wealthy, but you won't fight for that because it ain't real to you. See, your kids are real. Your car is real. Your, your TV is real to you. You can see it, but you can't see healing. Why? Because you're not in faith. You can't see wealth. Why? Because you're not in faith. You can't see prosperity. Why? Because you're not in faith. You can't see a good marriage. Why? Because you're not in faith. And when you're not in faith and it's not real, you don't fight for it. You don't fight for it. So think about when you get to the point where you're fully in faith, faith is now. So, so when God gave you a premise, I received that premise now. It is as real to me in this moment as it will be when it physically manifests in the earth. I fight for what's mine in the spirit the same way I fight for what's mine in the physical. But when you don't see it as yours, then you don't fight for it. Matthew 13 and 15 says this. Yes, the minds of these people are now closed. They have ears, but they don't listen. They have eyes, but they refuse to see. If their minds were not closed, they might see with their eyes. They might hear with their ears. They might understand with their minds. Then they might turn back to me and be healed. Here's the thing. Doubt 
excuse me, doubt has blinded many people and it causes you to think that God doesn't want to heal you. It causes you to think that God doesn't want to restore your relationship. It causes you to think that God will do it for other people, but he won't do it for me. Baby, God, what God, what God, God is not a respecter of persons. Anytime he, you can see anywhere in the Bible that God has rescued one person, then now you have a, uh, now you have a right to be rescued. God brought deliverance to one person. Now I have a right to deliverance. That's why when we find out other people and I find out other people are getting blessed with cars, I try to sow into their gas ministry, into their insurance, into whatever else. If I find out somebody gets a house, I want to buy them a housewarming gift. If I find out somebody have a baby, I'm just sowing because I don't want no more kids, right? But anyway, you find yourself doing, why? Because I understand that it ain't a God that can do it for them and then them getting something takes anything away from me. The fact that Pastor Chris gets a new house is an assurance to me that God yet lives. The fact that Pastor, uh, uh, Coach Bond pays out all of his debt is just uh, fuel to me. It's proof to me that God still lives. So I don't got to get offended with the increase of other people. I don't got to be offended with somebody else getting blessed. I, I actually get excited because it is, it is a reminder that God is still in the blessing business. Right? But if you find yourself getting offended, that offense, honestly, if you examine it, may be coming from a place of, okay, I don't know if that's going to happen for me. So if you find yourself getting offended when other people are promoted, you got to be real with yourself and ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Where are these feelings coming from? Is it internal? Is it external? Right? But we know it's not from the, the word of God. And so you got to make sure that those things line up. All right? Mark 11 and 24 says this, and this is how we know uh, you don't have because you don't believe. And I remember when Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean came back from, uh, I think it was a conference with Pastor C. I'm not sure if it's sons and daughters or what it was, but they came back and they came back with this phrase. You don't take God seriously. And Honestly, if we took God seriously, there's nothing that we could believe for that we won't already have. If you thinking you don't have it, it's because you have not taken God seriously. Mark 11 and 24 and Amplified says this, for this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, have trust and be confident that it is granted to you and you will what? Get it. You'll get it. And see, this is how you can judge whether you're in doubt or not. Doubt will say this. I feel like God heard me. I feel like it'll happen. I'm hoping that house come through. That's doubt. That's not faith. Faith says, God, I thank you for that house. I thank you that you heard me when, when I prayed. And I thank you it's already done. I thank you that I'll stand on this promise until heaven comes. I know what's mine and I claim what's mine in the name of Jesus. Faith says, let me look for some houses. Faith says, let me apply for some jobs. Faith says, let me save this money. Faith says, let me stop eating all this food that God told me not to eat. Faith says, I'm going to walk when he say walk. Faith says, I'm going to drink water because he said drink water. Faith says, I'm going to shut my mouth when talking to my spouse because I heard God say, be quiet more. That's what faith says. Faith is in alignment with what, with what God has said. And when you allow faith to occur, then you find yourself having a plan of action. When you walk in faith, you find yourself having wisdom. When you walk in faith, you find yourself having favor. And you find yourself having miracles performed on your behalf. You find yourself having the patience to endure to change comes. Because those are the five things we can expect when we're in faith. All right. And let's wrap up for tonight. I started teaching 10 minutes in. So give me give me six minutes. We're going to wrap up in Matthew 14, verses 28 to 33. It says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, 
tell me to come to you on the water. Y'all done heard this story before, right? They 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 just ministered and uh, Jesus told them to go to the other side and he went over to the other side. He went out and, and walked and, and it was windy and all of that. And the waves were not quite overtaking the boat, but they were kind of rough. And Jesus started walking back and it was foggy and, and Peter was in the boat and they, they were kind of afraid and, and they were kind of talking to Peter like, hey, Jesus, is that you? Tell me to come on the water. And Jesus said, come right? And then Peter got down out the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to cry and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you a little faith. He said, why did you doubt? See, you have the ability to manifest an outcome of faith and then begin to observe external stimuli and lose the very thing that you had faith to get in the first place. Lose the very thing. All right. As long as Peter were, was focused, he was able to do the miraculous. As long as Peter stood on the word of, come on, son, come on out. So, he walked. He walked. Why? Because he had a word to do what? Come. Where's God calling you to? He's. I know he's called you to six-digit incomes because that's the word for this house. I know he's called you to be a tither because that's the word for this house. I know he's called you out of, out of poverty because that's the word for this house. I know he's called you to have good relationships and a great marriage because that's the word for this house. I know he'll called you to have obedient children who live until the Lord because that's the word over this house, right? I know those things to be true. But however, when Peter allowed the sense realm to impact his believing, he sank. What external stimuli is causing you to sink? What internal past experience is causing you to doubt God? I know every time you started that business, it didn't come through. And you're wondering why God is asking you one more time to start the business. Why? Because he knows that in you is CEO material. He knows that in this business is the breakthrough that you need to move to the next level. He knows that in this business, it'll grow you up in character and maturity and your faith will grow stronger all because you choose to trust God and not yourself. And in that business, you have everything you need to the full to the overflows. But your internal stimuli says that it's going to end just like that last business. Why are you trying to go to school again? You know, last time you flunked out. Why are you trying a relationship again? You know, every man going to hurt your heart. Why are you trying to go to church again? You know, them pastors ain't no good. They just want your money. You see, those are all propagated lies. That, 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 the, that are external stimuli to get you to do what Peter did and to observe those instead of staying focused on the word. So faith must be sustained, right? When, when Peter started looking at those things, he said, he's saying, we must sustain faith. A word to come, that word that Peter received to come would have sustained him as long as he kept his focus on the word and not observing the stuff around him. How many times have you heard a word from God and you pursued that word only to get in the middle and a storm came and you paid more attention to the storm than you did the word from God and you sank? See, it wasn't that the business was a bad idea. You took your eyes off God. It wasn't that the relationship was a bad idea. You took your eyes off God. It wasn't that getting the car was a bad thing. You took your eyes off God and you sank. But you didn't even do what Peter did when you started to sink. You didn't ask God for help. It doesn't matter if it was your fault. God still wants to help you. It doesn't matter. The, I mean, that doesn't matter. God wants to help you. 
It says Peter switched his focus. Fear and doubt entered. He considered, you know, Peter out there like, wait, this isn't possible. I ain't never seen nobody walk on water. So that's what he's he thinking about. He's considering some stuff. I ain't never seen nobody walk on water. He, he said, he considered the fact that, hey, the wind is blowing really hard. It could blow me over. He started considering, when I throw rocks into the water, what do they do? They don't float. They go to the bottom. So he started thinking about buoyancy and the laws of buoyancy. He's like, this ain't something humans supposed to do. This ain't something that, that, that Marlo's supposed to do. This ain't something that in, anybody in my family has done. This ain't something that anybody I know has done. It does not matter when you got a word from God. It breaks all barriers. God says, I'm God. I'm God the breaker. He says, I break all diabetes off your family. I'll break high blood pressure off your family. Give me an opportunity to show you how good I am. I'll break poverty off your family. I'll break depression and mental illness off your family. I'll break all of that off your family if you just give me a willing uh, opportunity to be God. What's the opportunity? Obeying what I said. Don't eat that food. Walk more. Drink water. Don't date that person. Date this person. Don't take that job, take that job. If you give me an opportunity to be God, I'll bless you. And he says, no matter what shows up in the world, in this world, son, in this world, daughter, you will have troubles. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. He says, I already got victory for you. He already had victory for Peter. That's why he told Peter to come. But you can't let external stimuli be the thing that caused you not to experience the goodness of God. Why? Because anytime you begin to operate in external stimuli, you operate in the sense realm knowledge and anything in this world has a limit. But when we believe on the faith of God, when we believe on the word of God, we can rest on Psalms 119 and 96 and we're done for the night. It says, I have seen that everything human has its limits and end, no matter how extensive, how noble and excellent. But your commandment is exceedingly broad and extends without limits into all of eternity. That word that Peter, that Peter got to come, he could still be walking on today if he had never doubted. Why? Because he had a word. And that word would have took him into heaven. The word that you can make six digits, that's the word for this house. It'll take you into heaven. Don't let what your don't let your focus cause you to miss what God has for you. And I'm talking to myself. I, you got to throw out external stimuli. And all you got to do is spend time focusing on the word. So every time that thought comes, analyze the thought. Uh, once you analyze the thought, determine the source. Is this internal? Does it external? Does it come from God? If it comes from God, I keep it and I replay it. If it don't come from God, I reject it and I replace it. And what do you replace it with? You replace it with the word of God. That's why we got to meditate on the word both day and night to observe, to do according to all that's written therein. Therefore, we'll, then we'll make our way prosperous and we'll have good success. So how do I discard doubt and I embrace faith? I spend time controlling my thoughts. How do I discard doubt and I embrace faith? I make sure that I do the things I need to do, which is resist doubt. How do I resist doubt? I use the word of God. The word is your weapon that guarantees that you will have victory in every area of your life. All right. I love you guys. Be blessed. You guys know everything that we do at the end. All right, I go through them real quick because I know it's 9, uh, 9.05. You got to make sure that you give. This is not a time, all right, to start shortchanging. All right, God, make sure that you tithe. What's a tither? A person that gives 10% of the gross income that comes into their, their household. All right, I tithe off everything that comes into my house, everything. All right. Make sure you're tithing. Make sure you're looking for opportunities every day to give. Sometimes people are like, uh, that, that don't ever happen to me. 
Well, have you ever made it happen for somebody else? Have you ever just brought somebody lunch? Have you ever just brought somebody coffee? Have you ever just brought somebody a gift card? Have you ever just brought a uh, pay for somebody gas? You're wanting things to happen for you that you're not even sewing for other people. Every day I look for opportunities though. It could be five dollars. It could be a cup of coffee. It could be a. It could be gas. Uh, somebody texted me today that somebody had a need. I'm always looking for opportunities. So why? Because I every day I look for an opportunity to harvest. No farmer goes out into the field looking for a harvest without first having sown a seed. So make sure that you're sowing your seed. The opp opportunities to uh, give are on the screen. Give a five, push pay, Tali, text to give. And for our international partners, you can use PayPal, all right? Also, make sure that you make it to all of our services and then make sure that you get your kids connected with Victory Zone. Uh, the link for that registration will be coming out soon. So keep your eyes open for the FOC page, all right? I love y'all so much. If you don't have a church home, Fellowship of Champions is an excellent church. I encourage you to go to focchurch.com and become a partner today. Love you guys. Be blessed. See you Friday morning. Good night.